Hi there. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Gravity, the digital marketing and internet business podcast. I'm Bob Gentle, and every week I'm joined by small digital marketing business owners, creators, consultants, and practitioners who share what makes their business work. Whether you run your own business or you're just thinking of stepping out on your own for the first time, you're in the right place. If you're new to the podcast, then welcome along. Just take a second right now to subscribe to the show on your podcast player. That way you won't miss new weekly episodes and you can dig into some older ones when you finish this one. This week, I'm speaking to Eva Yorston. Eva's a good friend of mine, and of all the digital marketers I know, Eva's the one I'd say has tested and adapted the most, reinventing her products and services again and again as she's learned what works best. She offers a great case study in niching down, both in terms of the services you offer and who you offer them to. So welcome along, and let's meet Eva. Eva Yorston from Content Boost, welcome to the podcast. Uh, I am really excited to have you. I've known you for quite a long time now, very long time. It actually. has been a long time, Bob. Yeah, thank you uh, for having me. You're probably the person I know of all the guests who I've known the longest. So <laughs> hopefully I'm not going to take you for granted and not ask the obvious questions. Well, um, I was thinking about this because I was thinking, you know, in terms of telling my business story, sometimes you feel like you've told it a bazillion times but actually there's plenty of people who haven't heard it yet so yeah don't shy away from that for sure. I think also we make a lot of assumptions about people's businesses mm-hmm. um, there, there's things I assume you do but actually every time I speak to you things have evolved um, I think it's also important for listeners to realize that yes you're just down the road from me but in terms of my geographical area you're probably the only person I can point at and say you're operating in the digital marketing space way beyond the geographical area that you occupy which so i think from that perspective you make a great guest thanks i'm excited so your business content boost your name is eva yorston do you want to maybe tell people who you are where you are that's maybe obvious maybe not the <laughs> kind of work that you do sure so yes i am based in aberdeen i run my business called content boost And it is a content marketing consultancy and agency. So we help companies to position themselves as a market leader, attract ideal clients who are ready to buy. And um, we do that through sales driven content strategies. So I support small companies, um, usually B2B. And um, more recently, I've uh, been focusing on manufacturing companies. We were speaking a, a bit about that before we came on, but But yeah, so it's companies who want to try and get more customers, get better customers and um, and who could be using content to do that, to sort of explain more about their products and services, to help educate them and um, to help customers make an informed buying decision. And that's ultimately what it's all about. So working with a lot of manufacturing companies, I know you work with quite a few content and content marketing it must be really quite difficult because they're making the same thing over and over again how do you go about developing a content strategy for a business like that i can imagine it must be really difficult well it's interesting because it's it's actually one of the easiest industries i think to create content for because the companies have such an in-depth knowledge about their product. They obviously champion the, their product. They believe it to be the best on the market for the you know to solve the problem that they're trying to solve for customers. Um, 
and you know usually they've invested a lot of time and energy in developing that product to be um you know the best that exists out there you know in terms of intellectual property and you know all of that good stuff and so really it's a case of trying to extract all of that uh that knowledge and expertise out of them because i think what tends to happen in manufacturing companies is that they feel or that they forget that the features of their product don't necessarily speak for themselves in the digital era. They still have to, um, you know, from the perspective of the customer, the customer is comparing their product with the alternatives that are on the market and that might be not buying anything at all. Um, so what they have to do is is kind of put their egos to one side and you know, compare themselves with what the alternatives are on the market, explain what makes their product, um, you know, as high quality as it does, um, all of these different things. So there's so much potential with manufacturing companies to really uh, to delve into content. And yeah, it's it's an exci- exciting area to work in, I think. And again, developing a content strategy for organisations like manufacturing companies in order for them to accept the fact that they need to work with somebody like you certain trigger points have to have been reached what are the kind of pain points which lead them to reach out to somebody like you um it varies um you know every business is in a is in a different situation um and sometimes it can be the frustrations of the managing director themselves you know if they're the ones that are having to do all of the business development and all the ones who uh, and all of the uh, all of the sales all of the marketing if they're responsible for all of that then you know quite often they have reached a burnout point and they need a way to scale up the company in a sustainable way that doesn't rely on them quite so much um, so that's one aspect. And the other aspect could just simply be um, a frustration with traditional marketing and advertising methods where, you know, perhaps they've been doing things for a certain way for a long period of time and they're just not seeing the same results anymore and it's scaring them. Uh, you know, they need a different way to go to market um, to raise, raise awareness of their, their products and services. Um and yeah i think i think those are probably the two main ones um because you know it it's definitely the pain points that are the import that are the important thing you know nobody i don't think any business owner wakes up one day and thinks oh i need a content marketing strategy they have a problem and it just so happens that content can solve it the challenge is kind of finding those connect, connecting ourselves with those people you know trying to um trying to to make business owners aware that content marketing can solve these problems one of the things that i've always known you as is eva runs the blog management service mm-hmm. and what you're describing there is much broader than a blog management service so forgetting all my preconceptions what does the average range of deliverables for your average client actually look like well, our service revolves around um, three main packages, and I like to put those packages into an, you know, consider them as an end-to-end process, really. So the first part is content strategy, and that is a one-day workshop, usually. Um, so 
the I would go in and work with the client around uh, developing, you know, their avatar, their you know their target client profile, um, and making sure that their objectives for their content strategy are aligned with their overall business goals. So it's not just you know oh we want to get more website traffic. It's actually tied to a specific goal that they're trying to reach um, in their company, and. Off the back of those things, we then develop a content plan. So we generate ideas and um, you know nail down the topics that address the key problems and questions that their customers have. And then we also um, create an implementation plan. So looking at how they're actually going to make this happen, whether that's going to involve um, you know writing the content in house or whether it's going to involve bringing in an external content writer. Um, you know, what sort of uh, time commitment is going to be required, what budget commitment is going to be required, all of those sorts of things, so that they come out of that feeling like they have a plan of action. And then the next phase is um, content coaching. So that's, you know, I call it content coaching, but you could consider it a sort of ongoing strategic support service. So it's a monthly um, a monthly call where I get... Um, jump on with the client and we review results and we talk about the you know the content that they're trying to create and help them overcome challenges with that and you know help them make the content the best that it can be and um, and then there's the blog management service so this is the part um, which has kind of been an evolution really from my background as a virtual assistant um, and was actually the core idea behind content boost when I first um, when I first kind of pivoted into uh, content marketing services was this blog management service. So this is where we take the raw content um, and, you know, that can just be in like a Word document and we do all of the preparation that's involved for putting it on the website and doing so in such a way that it's optimized for both Google and for humans. Um, so, you know, making sure that it's well proofread and edited and that it has uh, eye-catching images uh, to go along with it, um, that all the formatting is is done and, you know, that it reads well on the page and uh, that Google's going to um, pick up all the, all the right keywords and things. And then once it's on the website, then we do all of the promotion. So this is the bit that I feel that uh, a lot of companies producing content really are missing a trick with is the is the promotion or the distribution um, because it's uh, you know really if you're if you think that maybe you're going to spend a day uh, producing and publishing a, a blog post from start to finish you would want to spend at least half of that on the promotion and I think a lot of people think that it's the creation that's the most time consuming part and it can be but they should really be spending just as much time on promoting the content um, as they do creating it because uh, you know just sticking it on the website isn't really enough anymore and we need to be delivering it to the people that we want to read it um, where they're hanging out so that is obviously on different social media platforms so we schedule prepare and schedule social media posts to go out across their different uh, channels and we also send out a broadcast to their mailing list so we tackle the customers that are on their mailing list and have a really you know probably the the biggest interest in hearing from them if they're if they're on their mailing list and 
we also do a couple of things to try and help them reach new audiences that maybe aren't already part of their uh, their network. So we do content syndication, which is where we republish the content um, from you know, we, we take it from the website and we republish it on third party platforms. So one of those being LinkedIn. So we publish it as an article on LinkedIn and we also publish it on Medium, medium.com. Um, and that just helps to expand the reach of the content. Um, and what I have found is that, you know, LinkedIn is a, is a different thing because obviously you've got connections and you've got an existing network there already to consume the content that you publish there. But in terms of Medium, you know, the majority of clients that we work with don't have an audience on Medium really. But the benefit of posting it there is that it just takes one person to discover it to then lead to an opportunity. So um, an example of that is uh, a previous client um had it picked up by the editor of a magazine that had a really massive distribution. Um, and so, you know, they got that article um, re republished in a magazine. So it's things like that, you know, it just, you never know what's going to come of it. So I always think it's worthwhile um, doing that. And then the last thing that we do as part of the blog management service is social bookmarking. And again, I think this is quite an underused um, tactic by business owners is using Pinterest and also Flipboard.com. So we tend to choose one or the other depending on what type of business it is um, because Pinterest is more consumer focused, I would say, and Flipboard is maybe a bit more sort of B2B. Um, and we curate their content onto their those platforms. Um, and we do that, you know, mixing it in with other content on their various boards. Um, so that they start to build a presence on on those platforms and that again that can help to reach new audiences so that's the that's the blog management service and that kind of takes the in terms of the deliverables for the client that takes them through then to measurement so then we we're like tracking the results that they get um, from all of those activities and that informs the strategy and then it's like a cyclical process from there i think that syndication element is extremely powerful because the social media stuff the email stuff to a lot of my audience that probably seems quite obvious although yes. a lot of agencies in particular they don't have the discipline to actually do that mm -hmm. knowing it and doing it are one and another but the syndication that really is again when you say it it sounds obvious but having the discipline to systematically do it that's really yeah. where the magic happens. Well, that's it. But I mean, none of these things are rocket science. That's the thing that, um, you know, that kind of amazes me sometimes is that, you know, anybody can be doing these things to promote their content. The, the, the trick or the benefit to our service, if you like, is, is the fact that we're doing it consistently and we're doing it methodically for every single piece of content. And that's really what, what our cu customers are paying us for is A, the accountability, to you know by outsourcing some of this stuff to us they are held accountable to their own publishing schedule which makes them more consistent in terms of just putting the content out there in the first place and secondly is the consistency in the distribution because it's just something that people just don't have time you know it's I personally believe it's not really sustainable to create and distribute content as a whole process all by yourself or you know, certainly it's not a good use of time. Um, if you are 
a you know business owner or even if you're an in-house marketer um you know your value is really in creating the content it's not in distributing it but it has to be done and so that's where um that's where our service really kind of comes into its own i think i think medium as well that's a really neat one because they have incredible reach yes it always astounds me that if you have content on medium it's probably going to be one of the first things that comes up for for the particular search phrases that you're using yeah exactly yeah yeah like i said it can it doesn't take much you know when we look at the stats um you know when at the end of the month when we're uh looking back at what's been published usually you know the stats are extremely low for medium but like i said it just takes one person to to read it for it to then have a benefit for the company yeah that's the thing medium readers are engaged so mm-hmm. it's very much a quality not a quantity yeah exactly um, you can have a thousand visits from twitter but are they paying attention oh yeah exactly um, oh I'm, i mean yeah in terms of distributing content on twitter there's very little actual click-throughs to content from twitter these days but it's still worth making people aware that you're producing content and then having conversations with people off the back of it that's uh, that's where i would see twitter's value but yeah it's all of these different platforms have their own you know their own nuances their own um you know their own unique approach that you need to take but uh but ultimately if you are consistent at publishing across all of them then you'll start to see which ones are are working and which ones aren't um and you can focus more attention there i want to ask about pinterest okay because pinterest for me is like you know you watch these move these uh, documentaries when somebody's blurred out yeah that's pinterest for me <laughs> um, <laughs> i avoid it because i don't know it okay. do you have any good pinterest success stories um, well, I mean, in terms of our use of Pinterest for clients, it's still quite early days because previously our social bookmarking service actually focused on other sites like um, StumbleUpon, which got killed. <laughs> so right. I um, last year I actually spent quite a bit of time researching social bookmarking as a space and redeveloping all of our procedures around that because um, because it was clear that things had changed. And what I found was that all of the social bookmarking sites now operate in in pretty much the same way. So you have your profile um, and within your profile you have collections of different uh, types of content. So on Pinterest they call them boards, on Flipboard they call them magazines and the new uh, evolution of StumbleUpon is called mix.com and I think they call them collections. But basically you are curating content into these collections that are um, of the same topic or theme and by doing so you are uh, well I mean if you're if when you're creating your curating your own content on there you want to mix it in with other content because you know it's if it was just all your content then you're not necessarily going to build an awful lot of trust with the people who are consuming it but if you start to, to um, curate content from all different places across the across the web into these collections then what you start to do is show that you are well read well researched that you are on top of the latest um, developments in your industry um, and 
you can start to actually build a personal brand through these through these types of sites. So, um, and you know, of course, it also generates traffic. So the in terms of your content, the, the links that you're mixing in there that are your own articles, um, you're including links back to your own site, and that's how you can start to generate some traffic from there. Um, but the best su- sort of success story that I know of is um, somebody we both know in Aberdeen, my graphic designer, Fiona Robertson. Right. She has an amazing um, Pinterest account, which uh, generates two and a half million monthly views. Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. So it's really worth doing. And but you ha- it's like any of these platforms, you have to put in the time. Uh, in order to to see the reward, but um, but yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, definitely something worth considering because it's it's uh, you know because it's maybe not as as noisy in terms of people pumping out content. Like on social media platforms, everyone's pumping out their content on there, so it can be a struggle to stand out sometimes. But on these social bookmarking platforms, you can get some really good traffic. Um, to your website, to your content, uh, and it's not, you know, maybe as competitive. I think what's interesting from what you describe is it's actually not a pro- platform you can go in to just broadcast. No. You, it will only work if you participate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have to become a user. And um, and but I think that's the way all the social media platforms are going. You know, it's, it's interesting looking at the, the way that things have developed over the last few years because the you know, when social media started, obviously it was to connect people. It was a social platform. And then the marketers got in there and, you know, br- were broadcasting all their stuff and that kind of turned people off. But now the they seem, the platforms seem to be proactively uh, changing their algorithms to go back to that, you know, um, to having social conversations and, um, and, you know, connecting people again. And which just encourages us encourages us all to use the platforms for what they in the way that they were intended you know which i think yeah. is a good thing i think i'd like to maybe look at your business model a little bit if we mm-hmm. could um when i first met you and this is one of the things that's really impressed me over the years is you were very much in a, a trading time for money situation you yeah. were you were in my area you were it in terms of virtual assistant virtual pa that kind of thing mm-hmm. um and you've sort of specialized and specialized and specialized and specialized to the extent where you have such a clear offering now mm-hmm. uh, how has your business model changed in terms of what you actually get paid for it's because it's no longer just trading time for money or billing for services no oh gosh yeah it's changed so much and it I think you used the word earlier evolution that's that's the way I would describe it because it has it's just been a sort of iterative organic process of learning things the hard way and and making the changes to the business but there was um you know a sort of pivot point a strong pivot point a couple of years ago um where you know I had been I I had a virtual assistant service I started out it was just me trading like you say time for money and but I had always known that I wanted to grow that beyond just myself so I had tried to hire self-employed assistants to you know increase our capacity and to start developing a team a multi-VA team as as we would call it in in the industry um and 
uh, after about four years, I just hit a brick wall because I was offering so many different services and trying so hard to create systems and procedures that will would allow me to scale it up. And it was just impossible. It was a never ending process. And, you know, at the end of the day, the, you know, the price point that I was able to charge for the services that I was offering just wasn't, it just wasn't enough to really create a sustainable business and a scalable business in that way. Um, and, you know, there are plenty of people in the VA industry who have done it. I am not sure how they did it, <laughs> but, um, but it's really hard. So, and, you know, aside from anything else, I just kind of lost all my passion for it as well, because I'd been, you know, striving for that for so long, kind of became a bit despondent about the whole thing. But um, so I had to go back to the drawing board and take a really hard look at, um, at what I was offering, where I wanted to go, what I enjoyed, and try and create a more scalable business model. So I, uh, of all the things that I had been offering as a virtual assistant, it was the marketing stuff that was most in demand and that most lent itself to, you know, monthly packages and, you know, a kind of more recurring uh, sort of business model. So I decided to focus on the marketing services. That was the first step. Um, and then the the next step after that was um, deciding to focus on the blog management side of things. Um, and that really came actually from a uh, attending a mastermind event uh, hosted by Chris Ducker in London, where I was sat on a table of four other entrepreneurs or five other entrepreneurs and we were we each had 45 minutes to focus on our own businesses and get the get the help of the group to brainstorm around problems and um and overcome challenges and things and um when i pitched them my new sort of marketing service agency business they basically told me that i was still too broad and that i wasn't solving a specific enough problem so we spent the 45 minutes um trying to uncover a problem that i could solve that was more specific and what we struck upon was the fact that entrepreneurs are inconsistent at blogging and one of the services that I had been offering was blog publishing so you know taking the client's content and you know as I described earlier publishing it on the website and the byproduct of that was that I was holding them accountable to their publishing schedule and making them more consistent so there was this sort of eureka moment where, um, you know, that became the core concept for the entire business was uh, was this solving this problem of making entrepreneurs more consistent and getting them better results for um, from their blogging. You know, I incorporated then the promotion uh, element to, to then make it more of an, a comprehensive blog management service because again it just it was really just taking all the services that I had been offering as a virtual assistant and packaging them up um, which in turn makes it more more valuable you know you all of a sudden you're no longer charging by the hour for each of these things whether it's social media management or producing email newsletters like producing an email newsletter on MailChimp or whatever takes you know less than an hour so you know that's not very much money but when you put it uh, as part of an overall process that delivers actual value by the end of it, um, then 
all of a sudden that you know you can charge more for that and not only that but it's a fixed monthly cost that you can then um, charge on a monthly basis and you know create systems around it that mean that you can grow a team and all of these things so you know by making that decision it just completely transformed um, the entire business and you know from then on it became a process of trying to pivot all of the other moving parts of the business you know uh, to to fit that so um, uh, it took another year or so before I rebranded to Content Boost and in doing that that's when the kind of consultancy element came in because you know uh, I had been investing a lot in my own um, in my own knowledge and and personal development on the on the content marketing side of things um, and so I felt that I had something to offer clients that was more than just the transactional kind of practical done for you service. It, it was more um, along the sort of strategy lines. And, you know, that made a lot of sense in terms of how that relates to the blog management service, because there's only so much I can do with a piece of content uh, to get good results from it if the content itself is rubbish. <laughs> yeah. So um, that was you know, another epiphany that came further down the road was that, you know, ultimately, if I'm going to get the best results for my clients that I possibly can, then I need to help them with the actual strategy behind the content they're creating. And so now there's these, like I described earlier, there's these three packages and because they all relate to one another as a process, there's a, there's then a transformation that I can communicate to clients from point A to point B. And again that all helps with how you how you can sell your service and how you can communicate it um it becomes less about the features of what they're buying and more about addressing the pain points that they have um and so all of that has been an learning on the job and uh and i've been in business now for 7 years and it's taken me taken me that long <laughs> to get to this point but I definitely feel like I've got the um, I've got the right framework now and uh, and yeah I'm sure it'll continue to evolve um, but uh, but that's where I'm at now. And one thing I want to ask is when you went to the mastermind with Chris Tucker mm -hmm. and you went in thinking you were one thing yeah and you walked out realizing you were something completely different how did that feel? Amazing like I um, at the time all you know everybody was using Snapchat as a kind of uh, vlogging tool uh, and I was recording snaps basically saying oh my god my mind's blown <laughs> like <laughs> everything I knew about my business has just totally changed and it really like it really did feel like a eureka moment and it was instantaneous like as soon as we found that specific problem to solve and you know that problem has evolved over time it's not necessarily you know I I feel like I solve a different slightly different problem now than I did then you know at the time I was probably focused more on solopreneur type customers whereas now I'm looking at you know more medium-sized manufacturing companies but you know it doesn't really matter the the fact that you're focused on a specific problem makes everything so much easier you, you know it just allows you to make decisions about your business that um that are aligned with the overall direction that you're trying to go 
I think it's really interesting that a lot of people, when things are difficult, when they when they feel they're not getting what they want, they just push harder on the same buttons. Mm. That's almost always the wrong answer. Uh, it's very rare that you actually hear of somebody deciding, okay, I want to completely reassess what I'm doing here and, as you as you described it, pivot. Mm. But once you do that, you realise it's not going to stop there. Yeah. Like you keep testing and adjusting as you go. And if you do that, you'll very quickly be much, much more successful. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I think some of the most successful people I've spoken to are constantly adapting, constantly evolving, and some of the most frustrated ones are still trying to do the same thing they were trying to do five years ago. Mm. It didn't work then, so why is it going to work any better now just because you're doing it bigger? Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, and I do think that over the years that has been one of my strengths. I haven't been too precious about about the business as it stands, you know, like whether it's the brand, because my previous business, the VA business was called Boost Business Support. So, you know, there's there's a connection there, but, you know, I wasn't hung up over, you know, continuing to call it that. And I wasn't hung up about, you know, being seen as the same thing. And, you know, so I do think that that's been a strength for me. But then it's also something that um, can be a source of frustration to me at times is this constant feeling of having to evolve um, and sometimes I do wish that I could just stand still and deliver the same thing for a while um, you know so that uh, you know so that it's just not this kind of relentless process but you know ultimately that's just business I think if you're sta- if you're standing still then you're you're you know the world is moving on without you um, so I've always got to be sort of looking at the bigger picture and and you know, making sure that you're creating a business that can stand the test of time. So looking at your business now, um, Mm -hmm. one of the things I'm always curious about, and I actually don't know the answer to this question for for you, which I thought I possibly would, but it's always surprising to me how businesses come across their their opportunities. For some people, it's, it's all referral. For some, it's all... Uh, inbound through social media or search or paid advertising what does that mix look like for you um to be honest the irony for me uh, being a content marketing company is that probably it is mostly um mostly word of mouth referrals and um and like person to person you know networking locally but that's just because of the way that my business has developed over time you know the the that was how I grew my VA business was through local networking and you know therefore it's kind of been how things have continued and I think for most businesses there's always going to be a pretty strong element of, of word of mouth and if there isn't then maybe it's an indication that you're doing something wrong but um, but definitely I am more focused now than ever on getting more of a mix of the um, of leads from online. So LinkedIn is a big focus for me at the moment. Um, you know, this sort of organic reach and opportunities that there are to generate leads on LinkedIn are massive. Um, even if when you log on there on a day-to-day basis, it might seem like it's noisy, but actually, you know, the, the opportunities are there. So for me, that's where I'm focusing my attention um, at the moment and the content that I've been creating over the last sort of uh, year or so has really been more focused on um, 
helping customers make their buying decision once they're already in my pipeline. So um, rather than creating content that's for generating awareness and for kind of bringing people into my funnel, the content I've been creating is more around helping them decide if our content strategy sessions are right for them or, you know, helping them decide whether they need a content marketing strategy or a social media strategy, um, these sorts of things. So it's uh, it's a mixture, but really they all feed into one another. Like, you know, I might meet someone through, you know, a mutual connection or at an event or something and um, and then connect with them on LinkedIn and then they start you know, maybe seeing some of my posts on LinkedIn and then um, and then become interested in the service and then read a blog post that'll help them decide whether it's the right fit or not. And, you know, so it's very difficult to say. You, it's so difficult to pinpoint these days, isn't it? Where, yeah. where a customer actually comes from. I think a lot of people heavily underestimate the impact that content marketing has on word of mouth marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, most referrals will will lead to people being exposed to your content and then influenced to, as you describe, engage or not engage with you. Yeah. So in terms of your own marketing, how much of your time in terms of, I guess, percentage do you actually get in an average week to spend on your marketing rather than on other people's marketing? Um, Well, it's actually been a conscious thing that I um, have designed my, my week, if you like, to be quite heavily focused on uh, on content creation because I know that that's where my my strength is and it's what I enjoy. So I have um, an assistant content or content coordinator, Paula. She delivers the actual blog management service these days, and um, so she's doing all of the the day to day stuff, um, helping clients uh, publish and promote their blogs. And she's you know she deals with the, the customer communication on that as well. So my time is spent. Um, largely on uh, strategic projects and content creation, business development um, and, you know, sales and uh, networking and that kind of thing. And uh, and also on the consultancy uh, services. So, but that, like I say, that has been a conscious move um, to make sure that I'm spending my time in the right places. And I guess, you know, maybe I'm fortunate in, in that having a background as a virtual assistant I'm highly conscious of that I always you know have been and uh you know it's it's just been an integral part of how I have you know how I've developed as a business person really is is having an awareness of productivity and um where it's where it's most useful and valuable to spend your time so um so yeah, I'm fortunate that I'm now in a position where my week actually is quite quite productive. And that's what we all need more of. Mm. And on that note, I guess, what's one piece of advice or tip that you could either offer yourself three years ago or to anyone running a small digital marketing business that would possibly allow them to squeeze more juice out of their marketing, their business? What, what's one idea you think could really help boost things um well i definitely think that focusing on the distribution of their content is where the gap is for most companies whether they're digital marketing agencies or whether they're a business you know a business in a different industry i think it's the case for 
a lot of marketing agencies that were great at promoting our clients' stuff, but not great at promoting our own. So I would certainly suggest drawing up a checklist of tasks that relate to content promotion. So, you know, you don't necessarily have to be doing all the things I've mentioned today, whether it, you know, all of the like social media, email marketing, uh, syndication and social bookmarking. You don't have to do all of those things, but maybe decide what you are going to do and create a checklist so that you can be a bit more methodical and consistent about how you're going about promoting your content. And you might find that actually you get much better um, return on investment then for the content that you create. That's great advice. And if people want to connect with you, Eva, how would you like them to do that? Um, I think the best way to do that is to follow me on Instagram. So it's at Content Boost UK. And I will put a link to that and your website in the show notes. Awesome. Eva Yorston from Content Boost, thank you so much for your time. You've been great fun. Really, really helpful. Thank you. No worries. Thanks. Eva has a great story and I love the simplicity of her business model. She's identified a clear point of pain in her ideal target market and designed her business to address that pain and only that pain. Her value proposition is super clear and I know from experience that her clients love what she does. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe to the show and if you haven't already then join our Facebook group. You can find a link from the website at bobgentle.com or just search Gravity Digital Marketing on Facebook and you'll find us really easily. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Eva for giving us her time this week. Thanks for listening to Gravity and see you next week.